You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Chris O'Brien here live, not Memorex, not on a cell phone, absolutely here and ready to rock and roll. You know, since we did that episode a few weeks back with Nancy Talbot, the crop circle researcher, and Robert Vandenbroek, the alleged psychic, you know, most of the response has been pretty positive, but one person posted a review on iTunes. Understand, iTunes, you never know what you're going to get. Usually, the people who hate you the most will post their remarks on iTunes. This one says that the problem he had, or she had, I'm not sure which, is that I asked too many questions. I didn't just let Vandenbroek and Nancy Talbot talk. Hmm. <laughs> Jeez. doesn't matter what we do, Gene. Someone's going to complain about something, obviously. I think you're successful if both sides hate you. Well, I, I prefer to get everybody to like me as opposed to hate me, but... Well, that's show business. You're in the wrong business if you think you can get away with that. I've been doing pretty good so far. I mean, this whole business with... Uh, with these uh, controversial shows uh, bringing out the, I don't know, it, it just it seems to bring a quality of listenership out that posts on the forums and they, they really get into it. And then we have a, a show like this current show with the guy representing Pine, the uh, New England uh, Paranormal Investigator Group, and, and you, you, you hear nary a whisper. He's, he was skeptical. He's very grounded, very objective. And, uh, you know, we got one or two responses. And then you bring someone like uh, Robert Vanderbrook on, and, and there's hundreds of responses because of, of the controversial nature of – maybe we should just uh, create a whole new type of, of radio programming called Tabloid Paranormal. Well, I think <laughs> that's already there, but the difference is that we don't just let people talk. We will ask them questions, you know, like, hey, wait a minute, would you justify this? Would you explain that? I think, for example, one of the best interviews we had on the show was the one that we did with Scott and Suzanne Ramsey. And I think we were very even-handed, giving them a really fair chance to present their evidence. Yeah. But I kept moving them in a direction to say, okay, justify this, explain that. I don't understand this. And there's still some areas I don't understand about the case. And that's something which I think maybe we can never resolve. At the same time, they have people who claim to have witnessed a crashed saucer there. And even just a couple of eyewitnesses, that's enough to say, well, something happened. Yeah. But, yeah, but the priest, the priest blessing the, uh, the burnt aliens, I, I, I just, I was scratching my head when I heard that one. Well, obviously he wasn't making up something, but I had this other theory, and it was based on this article that James Carrion had come out with. Now, James Carrion was a former international director of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. And he had, shall we say, a less than favorable departure from them. They evidently didn't agree with him on some issues, and supposedly they didn't like the way he handled their money. You know, I'm not going to try to guess who's telling the truth. No, it it was Bigelow and his bunch that didn't like, they didn't like the way that Carrion handled the money that they paid him, and he gave it to MUFON. Well, that's the point right there. That was one key issue. A lot of it was out of the Bigelow episode. But you know what? They didn't kiss and make up with Robert Bigelow after he left. Well, that we know of. 
Well, nothing they've said about. But the one thing that was interesting about what he said is that he had the feeling that at least some UFO cases reported during that era of the late 40s, maybe even early 50s, were put there by the military or intelligence people not to prepare us for alien visitations, but to spook the Russians. Yeah, disinform, uh, disinformation for the Russians and freak, freak the Ruskies out. Right. Yeah, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, there, that makes a lot more sense to me than little aliens coming from Zeta Reticuli and being brought down by radar. What's even more peculiar is the Aztec case where they weren't brought down by anything. The only damage they could see was a hole in the porthole. And then they see these burnt bodies of something or other. How were they burned? The possibility I voiced is, you know what? Maybe this was a test aircraft. Maybe the size was wrong because we're having people remember what they saw 50, 60 years ago. And maybe 25 feet becomes 50 or 100 feet. And then maybe these were just burnt dummies and the real pilots were somewhere else in the ship. That, that's very highly possible. Yeah. I mean, I don't pretend to know. I'll tell you that. Well, but they did. A, you're right, though. The, 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 the Ramses did a very good job in, in representing years and years of research, lots of digging. Um, obviously, there's always going to be unanswered questions when you have a case that old. All your primary witnesses, for the most part, are gone. So, you know, we just have to move on and, and hope that the, uh, that the aliens mess up and, you know, crash, like, maybe in the suburb of uh, Washington, D.C. or something. That would be a news story. Oh, it would be nice if that happened. You know, I could dig that if there was even the slightest hope that would happen, but I don't believe it's going to happen that easy. You know, things no. are never that easy in the UFO field. Uh, no. No, it's built in. That's kind of a, I don't know, that's sort of a, just what you have to expect is you're never going to get it easy. And as far as the Ramses are concerned, well, it could have been ET. It could have been government testing of a new aircraft. It could have been disinformation. I have no idea. And in the end, how are we ever going to find out? I don't know. I'm spending a half a million dollars uh, on a you know, kind of a Don Quixote expedition against windmills. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I if I if I could do that again. I kind of already did it in the San Luis Valley in the '90s, and I'm I'm really really hesitant to uh, spend a lot of resources, effort, time, and energy on on field investigations for such old uh, under you know water under the bridge type cases. I mean, something new and compelling, breaking. Yeah, I'll I'll expend. All, all my uh, energies and exhaust all efforts to to dig into a particular case, but something that old, I, I just, I don't know. You really have to want it to uh, to really dig into it. You have to have something that looks like it might be a smoking gun. Of course, Kevin Randall and several other people have the so-called, he doesn't like the term, dream team to check Roswell. We'll have to see what happens. Meantime, over the past few months, you've been a busy, busy bee. What you've been up to? Well, I've got a lot of really cool things going on, as you know, most of our listeners, uh, who, faithful listeners who tune in every week. Uh, I do have the San Luis Valley Sky Camera Project, Skywatch, and we are in the final stages of putting together our second camera, which will be the first of the larger regional triangu- triangulated arrays. This one is going to be up on a 12,000-foot mountain. 
It's going up on a uh, NPR radio station tower. Um, <laughs> the Forest Service and the uh, in OSHA made them double the height of their tower because they were irradiating the ground with their transmitter. So, oh yeah, gotta get all that EMF coming your way. Right. So they're they're now instead of a seventy you know four foot tower, they're gonna have a hundred and fifty foot tower, and we're gonna be about two thirds of the way up. So now, of course, course it's farther space. away. They won't fry your brain as quickly. Well, it's on top of a 12,000-foot mountain, and the only thing they get fried is some stunted aspen trees and maybe some elk that wander up there, maybe a, a rock marmot or two. It's, uh, it's way up. It's the largest freestanding mountain uh, in North America, so it's, it's kind of isolated from everything else. But, boy, I'll tell you, there's a view up there that just is jaw-dropping. I'll tell you what, uh, that, we're going to get into more of that. On future episodes. Today, David Ferrand from his home in the United Kingdom talks to us. Of course, he was involved in such cases as the Highgate Vampire. Of course, vampires are big now. We have a new season of True Blood coming out. So that's going to be fun. But we'll talk about, in general, all the research he's done and ask some of the questions you've asked in the PowerCast forums. I want to give this special thank you to Blue Sky Music because they're responsible for the opening and closing theme for the PowerCast. That's blueskymusic.com. Once again, blueskymusic.com. With Gene and Chris, you're in the PowerCast. This is typical for many companies these days. Your colleagues work at home. Your colleagues are traveling for business, but you need to get everyone together for an important corporate meeting. Well, I have a solution for you, neighbors. Go to meeting with HD Faces. You see, this way your team can meet face-to-face while online, no matter where in the world they are, and it takes only seconds to set up. You see, go to meeting by Citrix allows you to collaborate on files and plans online. And with HD Faces, you just need a webcam to turn your online meetings into a group HD video conference. Of course, you need a computer with HD. We assume you have that. You want to see how easy GoToMeeting with HD Faces is? Well, my listeners can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. Be sure to use the promo code PODCAST to get that free 30-day trial of GoToMeeting with HD Faces. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with Eat Foods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control. Your greatest dependency, food. 
eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. And the new products and pricing will blow you away. Compared to other food sources, including home-cooked meals, you can cut your food cost in half. You just can't afford to ignore this. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More of the best for less guaranteed. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. David Farrant joins us from his palatial estate in the UK. Is it a palatial estate, or am I just making something up? David? Oh, sorry, you asked me, is it a palatial estate? And he had to think about it's it for hardly, a moment. He's, no, hardly. It's, okay, it's a two-room flat. No, it's three, actually. Yeah, somewhere in between. Yeah, no, it's three. Okay, we'll accept that. You can take my word for that. It's not a, it's not a dingy bed sit, as some people describe it on the internet anyway. Well, what they say about my house, you don't want to know. I can imagine if it's anything like what they say about my house here. Eugene, you, you have a nice apartment. I mean, your new apartment yeah, yeah. is really nice. Well, to be absolutely serious with you, it is a very nice apartment here. It, 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 it overlooks Highgate Woods just across the road, and I can see all over London out my back window, right up to Epping Forest, which is about 15, 20 miles away. So I'm quite happy. I mean, I was actually born in Highgate quite a long time ago, but... And I've lived here all my life, so I'm quite happy where I am, Gene. Beautiful part part of uh, of, of London, and mm-hmm. one of my favorite Genesis songs uh, is called "The Battle of Epping Forest," which uh, you can see right out your window. Well, in the distance, and it's got to be a clear day too. But yes, I can see Epping Forest. Yeah, I've been there quite a few times. So it's got quite a few um, hauntings in it. Oh, that will be a story we're going to have to ask about. All right. That sounds fascinating. But let's talk about a subject that you've become fairly well-known around the world about. But to begin and to emphasize it, these days, things about vampires are popular. We have the TV show True Blood. You've seen that in your country, haven't you? 
I don't think I've seen that one. I've certainly seen episodes of Buffy the Vampire Hunter, yeah. Okay, well, just by the way, the creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the guy who directed The Avengers, that very popular movie. Shows you where he's gone with his career. But True Blood is based on a series of novels about things happening, you know, in and around the Deep South in the United States. And, you know, it's werewolves, it's shapeshifters, it's vampires. I have heard about it, Gene. I just haven't haven't actually seen it. That's all I meant. What is our endless fascination about vampires all about? Is it living forever? Blood. Blood. You mean... Apart from blood, uh, you mean to live forever? Yeah, I'm quite sure that a lot of young people, and there are a lot of these vampiroid clubs springing up, especially in America. But I say springing up, they started in 1990. Clubs, and they just go together. They're young people. They like to dress up as vampires. But they even put the plastic fangs in, and they just drink red wine and they sit around talking and they go to theatres and they just go to events and they go on excursions. To them, I think it's just a way of life. If you were to ask me what motivates them, I would probably agree with what I think you, I heard you say, that it's not so much blood, but it's a sort of a yearning to, well, if you like, almost to live forever, to overcome death. But... Having said that, I still think it remains basically a myth. And I think a lot of those people, and they are quite nice people. I mean, I've met them in person. I've been to their meetings, too. Only as a guest, I hasten to add. I think they're just sort of striving for something beyond what they see as the material world and all its violence and all its hypocrisy and all that sort of thing. Well, there's also the sexual aspect of it. And the reason I say that is even Bela Lugosi, he was considered very much kind of a sex symbol who seduced women in, of course, the 30s and everything when he did those movies. I was just going to say, at that period of time, you know, let's remember when he did those movies, that was really the start of the movie era, wasn't it, in The Vampires, or the very beginning, and of course it was all in drab, black and white and well Nos- Nosferatu is one of the I think the yeah, most yeah, cre- creepiest yeah. films of all time it's just, uh, what yeah. a classic sure I agree with that but I- I'm just going to say to sort of evolve from that then a few decades later Hollywood got involved in I-, I mean it all got turned into Technicolor didn't it and you could see the red blood and the, the white fangs and it started getting more and more daring uh, with the young ladies on it in very low-cut nightgowns and all the rest of it. And do, do you think that was the Anne Rice uh, influence? That kind yes, of, I'm absolutely I sure think it was. If you really look at the resurgence of interest in vampires in the last 25 years, 30 years, you, you'll, you just have to automatically write, go right to Anne Rice and, and the, um, you know, the Lestat interview with the vampire, that whole series, I think. And, yeah. and that really did bring in this this very mesmerizing, dreamlike, um, you know, eroticism that uh, you see in all these shows now in these movies. Yes, exactly. Um, well, I'm agreeing with you. Hey, that's very I'm good. You know, someone again. who agrees with us is basically really high on our list of favorite people. So we're glad that you agree with us because, you know, a lot of people don't agree with us. I mean, Don Ecker agrees with so us on far. occasion, but, you know... That's an exception. Yeah, only so far. I mean, I, we haven't started talking about 
vampires yet, have we? We're going to get there, yeah. We're just kind of giving an introduction here about how vampires, despite, you know, the blood stuff, which is kind of disgusting, you know, you've got the sex and the very attractive people who play vampires. So this is something that goes on. In fact, one show that originated in your country called Being Human involves a vampire, a ghost, and a werewolf trying to just be like regular people. There's an American version of the show right now, but it became popular trying to be like regular people, trying to integrate vampires into our society. But obviously, you got interested in vampires partly because of the Highgate vampire that we want to understand for listeners who haven't followed the story. But where did you first become curious about vampires, or is that what drew you in? Uh, you know, it really is a very long story, and I, I, I can't sort of explain it in two minutes. Where did I come, be, come interested in vampires? I don't wish to disappoint anybody, but you know, Gene, I've never ever accepted the existence of blood-sucking vampires. That is the type of vampire that's commercialised and you see in the Hollywood films, well, and, and in the British Hammer horror movie films. I just don't think, quite frankly, that sort of being, that sort of supernatural being, exists. While this is where a lot of confusions come in in the past, because while I'm a psychic investigator and I investigate quite a few different types of unexplained phenomena, I've never accepted that that commercialised type of vampire really has any existence, existence except out of the films, outside the films of maybe Hollywood or as the young people want to sort of believe in it, if you like, as a sort of a way of life. But if it comes... Well, it's, to, yeah, it's become a cultural meme. It's, 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 cool. uh, yeah. it's, it's running roughshod over... Uh, where the whole myth of of a vampiric type creature comes from, and it's been glamorized into this uh, this kind of glitzy Hollywood Romantic version. ideal. We have David Ferrant, and we're exploring psychic phenomena and the Highgate vampire and other stuff coming up next on the Pellcast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Fake Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. 
For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI-listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. Did you know that 50% of heart attacks are brought on by infections? Did you know that hospitals are breeding grounds for antibiotic-resistant bugs like MRSA? The environment is infected with parasites, and the mild winter means ticks with Lyme disease, mosquitoes with West Nile virus, and cold and flu viruses will be on the rise. Protect yourself with nature's natural antiparasitic, antiviral, antifungal, antibiotic, Allicin, the heart of garlic. Get concentrated protection with Ali C and Ali Ban from AffinityHealthProducts.com. One capsule of Ali C equals 40 cloves of garlic or 100 garlic pills. With no garlic breath, Ali Ban has Allicin in spray, liquid, and cream forms with three times more strength than leading brands and cost less. Go to AffinityHealthProducts.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, HealthProducts.com, or call 877-888-7126. That's 877-888-7126. Protect yourself with Ali C or Ali Ban from AffinityHealthProducts.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned in to the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Of course, it's David Farrant, our guest on the Paracast this week, is a friend of Don Ecker. We felt that we should have his presence, even if it's recorded. Fair enough? It's fun by me anyway. <laughs> okay. Are we maybe over-romanticizing the legends of vampires? I mean, you know, we go back to Vlad the Impaler, and supposedly he was a mass murderer. That's not very romantic. Yes, but that, what you say is actually fact. I mean, that's become established as legend. I, I mean, he was supposed to have put to death thousands upon thousands of people and impaled them on stakes and left them to die slowly. And then some people have argued that that's where the myth of the vampire actually came from. Others have sort of said it started with Bram Stoker. But let's remember, I mean, this case, these cases of so-called vampirism do go back into history. 
I mean, even in medieval times, people actually believed that this vampire-like creatures exist, existed, rather. And they actually used to, if someone was suspected of being a vampire, they actually used to open a coffin and nail them into it. It was almost like the Salem witch trials here in the United States. They believed someone was a witch or a supernatural creature, they would kill them. Well, yes, that that is it, really, yeah. And But then again, you, you could go on to say that that primitive belief or that subconscious fear of the unknown, which includes vampires, of course, is part it, of our sort of heritage. Yeah, it's it's cross-cultural. You'll find it in all, all cultures. Will. Yeah, you'll find it all over the world in different cultures, whether they're so-called civilized or whether they're not so civilized. But I think that instinctive fear of the unknown, including vampires, and including werewolves if it comes to that, has always been a part of human nature. And do you know, I don't really think that that belief, that fear of vampires, werewolves, the unknown in general, and I also include in that witchcraft, that terrible word which I don't really like using, but that is believed even in modern, so-called modern times in so many different countries and by so many different cultures all over the world today, it might have become more civilized. That is true. I mean, we no longer burn witches in marketplaces. But, you know, we think little, probably nothing, attributing to them the same crimes and absurdities of which they were accused so long ago for example, if the crops failed in the local community, it was all witches' fault. They had to find someone to blame and to even put in prison or even execute. So that fear, I think, has always been a part of human nature. And I don't think fear of the unknown has changed that drastically, even in the so-called 21st century. But going back to vampires, well, all I can say there is that I think it includes... That, the belief in vampires is just a part of it. It's, it's only a fraction. Going back to what I said, that I do not accept the existence of blood-sucking vampires. Okay, we're th- speaking in a sense here, David, of a supernatural being. But what about a crazy person who tries to drink someone's blood or the blood of an animal? Gene, how about the guy in Miami that was shot eating another guy's face last week? I mean, dang. That's that's pretty rude. Well, I actually, I don't even have, this might surprise people, I don't even have a television and I don't even buy newspapers. But now and again, I get the headlines on my AOL thing when I'm looking for stuff. And I actually saw that. Wasn't somebody, I only skimped it, but wasn't there a naked man on, on some motorway who'd been murdered and they found a man attempting to eat his face or something like no, that? No, he had eaten his face, and they shot him when he refused to stop uh, towards the end of the of the face-eating process. Oh, I didn't actually realize that he'd actually eaten the man's face completely. I thought he just attempting to do it. But uh, no, no, and there are pictures on the Internet, which, uh, of course, somebody had to send me, um, which uh, don't leave much room for interpretation. No, of course not, no. But wouldn't you say, though, that that is a case of not so much of supernatural entities being involved, because of a very human... 
I hope not. Whatever supernatural entity <laughs> that got involved in that particular episode, I would not want to uh, to know about. But uh, no, that was probably some drug-induced psychosis, uh, I, I would suspect. But it r- rings home the horror and the fascination that uh, rubbernecking at the at the traffic accident, that quality in humanity that that is titillated by blood, by uh, the idea of eternal youth, let's say. These are all concepts which, um, you know, are very, very deep in the in the collective. And I think Hollywood has done a very, very good job and is doing even a better job of tapping into these deep-seated fascinations in in in, in the collective. And I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, they're tapping into age-old, deep-rooted archetypes in our in our collective. Yes, they are. It's all a part of the collective, if you like, human unconsciousness. I mean, blood has. I'm probably telling you the obvious here, but blood has always been considered to be symbolic of the life force. Ancient people used to believe the life force was actually contained in the blood, hence this whole thing about sacrifice. If you shed the blood, the life force was released, albeit temporarily, or in some cases permanently. And the people that performed these rituals thought they could have some control over that life force once it was released from the body by means of sacrifice. And all that, I think you have to take all that into account too. But I think it's very important that blood has always been associated with the life force of human beings. Right, and blood is being ritually spilled right now as we speak. Every day, thousands and thousands of animals are slaughtered ritualistically for religious or belief-styled purposes. Of course, we won't even talk about the millions of animals that are uh, slaughtered every month for food, but... Yeah. But yeah, blood blood is ritualistically utilized every day all around the world. It is. And as you said, the very people that sort of bring that to attention are the very people that go home and have roast beef for dinner or hamburgers or roast pork or roast lamb. All those animals have to be killed to satisfy sort of human needs, if you like, food. Well, David, are you a vegetarian or do you still have the hamburgers? I'm not um, a vegetarian. I tend to avoid meat if I can help it. But if I'm invited for dinner and someone puts a, a cooked dinner in front of me which has been prepared for a few hours, I will eat it. But, but try you, and like avoid. Your, you like your steak and kidney pie, though, right? Um, no, I don't really like really? meat no, that that's, much. That's, to be that's I'm, I'm being truthful here. I, I really don't. I, I do try to avoid meat. It's not so much for moral reasons. I'd be absolute hypocrite if I said that because um, I'm like the next person I've got to eat. But the actual meaning of um, killing, if you like, animals, I've never agreed with that. And certainly not cruelty to animals. For no apparent reason otherwise to satisfy the human appetite. Kosher, kosher meat, Jean. Uh, do, you know, do you know what makes meat kosher? Besides being blessed by a rabbi, do you know the actual ritual that's involved there? Believe me, I haven't read about that since I was a child, which is so many centuries ago. You should well, look, look into I, that. I don't want to get too gruesome here, but I mean, I have heard that in some of these rituals, I mean, in most of them, animals are killed, obviously. Cows are hung up by their back legs and they're, they're killed with a bolt. But I understand in some cultures or they actually hang the the animal up and the blood um, 
and they cut the throat while the animal is still alive and the heart is still beating. The idea being that the, uh, that's got to be done that way because the heart has got to pump out all the blood from the from the body of the animal. I'd rather not now think how it's done. If I have a hamburger, and I do from time to time, I would not yeah, choose right. to want to think the process... How about this, How about this, Gene? How, here's an idea. Everybody who wants to be a meat eater has to be licensed. And in order to get a license, you go through a, a three-day workshop. I'll tell you what. Exactly, we'll discuss the three-day exactly. workshop with Bella O'Brien. <laughs> we have yep. David Ferrand and... Gene and Chris, you're in the Pentecost. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A-Silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. Don't answer it! How can I stop these annoying collection calls? Imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plan, no negotiating or filing bankruptcy, and no attorneys. What if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money? You can. It's called Zero Debt Guarantee, and it works. There's no other program of its kind on the planet, and we guarantee the results in writing. Call now, 800-477-9256. Let our team of experts provide you 
you with the resources to fight back. Stop collection calls and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Hey, meat eaters, the freeze-dry guy wants to know, does your emergency food supply meet the standards for survival? Then get the 144-day meat variety unit from the freeze-dry guy. Our meat units utilize only quality Mountain House freeze-dried cooked ground chicken and ground beef, the undisputed choice for great taste and highest nutrition. The Freeze-Dry Guy's 144-day meat variety unit includes six number 10 cans of the very best freeze-dried animal protein for power you'll need when the going gets tough. Every meat eater's 144-day meat variety unit comes with a free medical kit and always free shipping to the lower 48. Need more than 144 days? See our one-year-plus meat eater's units at freezedryguy.com. And hey, the freeze-dry guy still has LRP rations, but they're going fast. Don't wait until tomorrow. Call now, 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-3663. Or go to freezedryguy.com and meet the standards for survival. Well, I have to ask whether the imitation of Dracula that Chris O'Brien does is good. I know the last person who did an imitation was, of course, none other than Brad Steiger. He was here three or four years ago. He had a book out about vampires, and I introduced him with that particular imitation. Well, Nick Redfern tries to imitate me. <laughs> well, he tries to mock me, I think would be more accurate. He's mocking you, yes. Yeah. David, I know that you don't know what the heck we're talking about. Let's go back to this. So, Chris, you think that before we eat meat, we've got to take the three-day course, after which we will all become vegetarians. Well, in, in that three-day course, what we do is we see you know, the whole process from the animal being taken from wherever it's you know, growing up, all the way through to when it arrives in styrofoam wrapped in, in uh, saran wrap in your grocery store. And I'll bet you instantly that you could probably look at 40 to 50 percent of Americans uh, becoming vegetarians. Now, I can't, I can't talk for people in other countries, but at least in America, because we are so numb and so inured to, to how things happen, what the processes are, uh, especially uh, when it comes to meat, rendering meat, preparing meat, adding you know the the pink slime, the ammonia, the other things that go into meat to keep it fresh for longer, so it doesn't spoil and become you know a bad investment. Uh, I think if people went through a three day course like that, that uh, it instantly fifty sixty percent of America would probably become vegetarian. And a lot of people would be out of work as a result. But we're not going to get into the meat industry. That's beyond what we're doing. Let me just ask you in a peripheral sense. We understand the romanticism of vampires, David. We'll ask you what the Highgate vampire is all about in a moment. But what about werewolves? Do we just want um, to have the ability to change ourselves into something else? Well, I'm afraid I, I'm sorry to be disappointing, but I'm afraid I believe in werewolves even less than I do in vampires, Gene. I'm not saying that there were not... Obviously, I'm telling you the obvious here, that there were not... F- 
physical ailments which could have caused people to believe people were werewolves in, in times gone by. I mean, you're going to look at the, the case of the elephant man, which is quite well known. It's not quite the same thing, but people were born deformed. Some of them terribly deformed. And, you know, uh, that, that could be another main reason how these stories about werewolves started to become, got into circulation. It was a lack of medical understanding. But if, if you're asking me if I believe that can men or can a man or woman change into a, a wolf or a she-wolf? No, I'm afraid I don't accept that. I don't think it's possible. Um, I was just trying to explain that I don't believe it's possible for a wolf to change into a human being or vice versa, rather a human being turn into a wolf. I believe it's a physical impossibility. And again, I can only say that it's probably down to lack of medical understanding, at least in the olden times, about what really caused this, these deformities. So it was all about deformities as opposed to the belief that someone who's normal will change into another creature. Are there legends of shapeshifters, though, when you look into tricksters and things like that, Chris? Yes, there are. In fact, there are. There are people uh, today that are being accused of being able to shapeshift into animal forms uh, on the Southwest Indian reservations. I recently attended a talk by two Navajo rangers, and uh, they described a couple of cases that were quite mind-bending uh, in terms of people being uh, shot. Uh, the, originally, the, it's an animal that shot, in, in one case, a coyote, and when the... Uh, when the rancher goes out there, he finds a human, and uh, there's track evidence, there's physical evidence that suggests that shape-shifting is a possibility, uh, at least in the eyes of <laughs> indigenous law enforcement. So we can't totally discount the possibility, I think, at this point, based on the body of evidence that is out there. But I agree with David that most of these legends and and you know these tapping into to archetypal fears and that sort of thing, I think, have evolved from a place of ignorance and a place of, of uh, you know, non-rational thinking. Well, what Chris had just said—that—that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, I think it's a sort of a, an old, misunderstood belief. That, that's all. But there's a physical, there's a natural reason for it, and I don't believe we should automatically just attribute something supernatural to it. Speaking of what is or is not supernatural, who or what is or was the Highgate vampire? Uh, well, that's a loaded question, but okay. That's I'll what we're what here for, not. by the way, loaded questions, David. Okay. I'll tell you what it was not. It certainly was not a blood-sucking vampire. Um, there was an unexplained phenomena which had been cited by many local people over the course of a few years at um, in and around Highgate Cemetery, not only in Highgate Cemetery itself, but in the, the old ancient lane that runs alongside the cemetery called Swain's Lane, and few of, a few of the old coaching inns in Highgate Village where the same figure had been cited on different occasions by different people. All these sightings were independent, they were all reported, and 
but the the sort of the crux, if you like, the heart of the of these sightings seemed to be Highgate Cemetery. In the late 60s, I'm going back now to about 68, um, reports started to come in of this tall, dark figure. And sometimes it was reported as having hypnotic red eyes by many different people who saw it independently. Um, usually around the catacombs in Highgate Cemetery itself. Um, I'm trying to summarize it really quickly because the case is far too numerous to mention all in detail, but basically the figure would appear in, in front of unsuspecting people who weren't expecting to see it. Uh, there would be drops in temperature, um, and some people even reported that they felt as though they were being hypnotized once they actually looked up and saw the, the apparition itself. It sounds like a ghost, doesn't it? Well, yes, I, yes, albeit a very malign one. It sounds like Bella Lugosi. Boy, <laughs> no, I think he's dead by this time. No. Let's see, Lugosi officially died in 1956 during the filming of one of the worst films ever called Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, yeah, that's a classic, isn't it? I've never seen Plan 9 from Outer Space. I think I've seen a couple of clips from it, but uh, yeah. So basically, they showed Lugosi playing this old man who would be using the his cape and covering his eyes like a vampire. And then when he died, they hired somebody else who sort of looked like him to continue to play the role. The filming continued after he died. doesn't matter if one of your stars is dead. That's how it goes. We'll have somebody else play the role. Okay, so, all right, so they're seeing this individual creature apparition at the Highgate Cemetery. Is it just something that just moves around or what? Well, as I said to you, it used to appear um, all of a sudden in front or behind old people. Okay, so you're just looking and there it is. Well, they weren't expecting it. That's the whole point. And, but it would appear, yes, without any apparent reason or without any apparent cause. Now, once they saw um, it, was it a stationary thing or entity, or did it move around? No, it wasn't often reported as moving, but it certainly was reported as just disappearing quite suddenly after it had been sighted. And it's almost as if this entity, whatever it was, wanted people to be aware of its presence. As, as I said to you, some people even got the impression that they were trying to be, trying to be manipulated. Now, when I say manipulated, I mean psychically manipulated. One man even reported that he felt he was being hypnotized, that this ghost, if you like, this apparition, was somehow trying to take possession of him. And it was all cases like this that really made me and other members of the British Psychic and Occult Society back in 68 to try and look into the matter further. Now, okay, um, this we, is very interesting, trying to possess you or something like that. Obviously, it gets to be pretty freaky, and I'm going to want to ask you more about that. Let's take a few seconds to pull this off. If you want to get in touch with us, there are several ways. One is to write us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. On Twitter, we are the Powercast at the Powercast on Twitter. If you want to send us a tweet or check our forums, forum.thepowercast.com, forum.thepowercast.com. 
With Gene and Chris, we have David Ferrant. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. David Farrant joins Gene and Chris. We're talking about his psychic research, mentioning, of course, the Highgate vampire. Now, in the sense of trying to possess something else, David, another person, did they feel that something was taking control of their mind? Why did they feel there was some kind of possession going on or attempted possession. We don't know the reason why, Gene. As a psychic investigator, the first thing I always do in cases like this, and there have been many other cases, it's just that that case got, was to get slightly out of hand. But anyway, the first thing we do is to try and find some logical, logical explanation for these sightings. And it's not only in Highgate Cemetery. These have occurred all over the country, not necessarily the same figure, but similar figures. And often we do find a a logical material explanation. Um, They're only only too aware of the sort of the power of the human mind, especially on a dark night with shadows blowing in the moonlight and a cold wind blowing. The mind can play tricks on people and it's very easy to sort of imagine these sort of supernatural entities when, as I said, there might be some not logical explanation for them. I guess under those circumstances, you're in a cemetery, it's night. Certainly in your country, it tends to be damp and rainy. Boy, I'd be frightened. I don't care what's there. Yeah, and also, Highgate Cemetery now, well, then, it was open to the general public in the daytime. That is the hours of daylight. I believe they used to open at about 10 o'clock in the morning, and it used to close when it started to get dark at night, 4 or 5 o'clock. But it was open and people could wander around the cemetery in daylight in daylight hours. And a lot of these sightings actually occurred within Highgate Cemetery before it got dark. There was one man there whose name I, actually, I interviewed him and his name was Thornton. He actually had gone into Highgate Cemetery and it's a beautiful old place leaving aside the vandalism and all the serious desecration that was going on there at that time. And he got hopelessly lost because the 
the cemetery in those days was very, very overgrown, overgrown. Even the main paths, sometimes it was difficult to know where you were going and you could easily wander off the path. And he got sort of lost in the middle of the cemetery. Now he heard the bell going. So he stood in this big old Victorian bell at the main gate of the cemetery and it was a warning to four people to leave. They were closing. He used to give them about half an hour to leave the cemetery. And he... he he didn't know where he was, but he thought the best way he could, he could leave was to make his way towards the sound of the bell, which he started to do. And in the clearing, this was somewhere in the north of the cemetery, in the clearing, he was, he, he was trying to find a main path again. He suddenly froze. He had the overwhelming sensation that there was something behind him. And it, was, it stopped him in his tracks, and he swung around, and he saw what he described as a tall, dark figure with hypnotic eyes. He couldn't really make out its face, but he could certainly make out, as he described it, psychic eyes. He, he, and he felt it was trying to hypnotize him. And before he even realized what was happening, well, he realized that much, the figure just all disappeared. It wasn't there. It's rather as if you're looking at a television picture and all of a sudden someone decides to turn, the, turn off the screen, it was gone. And he noticed that the whole area turned decidedly colder than it was. And it really freaked him out. And the interesting point is here that that man was actually, by profession, he was an accountant. The only reason I mention that is because he'd gone into the cemetery not expecting to see any ghosts or anything, but he was... He, he worked not far away in um, Highgate Village, I believe, and he'd gone in there in his sort of late afternoon, and he, w he was really interested in the old Victorian architecture. And if you like, he'd gone there as a sightseer. He wasn't expecting to see this this figure. And I went to see this person, and he he was absolutely adamant that. He described his experience to me, and he, he he said, well, I know what I saw, but I really can't believe it. I can't accept it. He'd never believed in he'd never believed in ghosts before. As I said, he was an accountant, and was a man far more interested in facts and figures and mathematical equations than that. And he was one of the first people I interviewed back in very early '69 or late '68. And his experience convinced me that there was something was. In fact, there was something in all these local stories about a ghost that was haunting Highgate Cemetery. Um, there were other sightings too, and people I went to interview. I've got the names, I put them on record, and I still have them on record somewhere. And it was that which really decided me, or us, to conduct a sort of investigation into these sightings at the cemetery. And that's where all the trouble really started from, because um, I should add that um, in December 1969, I actually paid a visit to Highgate Cemetery myself. And again, I, I was looking for some logical explanation. At that time, you had foxes breeding in mass in Highgate Cemetery, and I thought it could have been an animal that someone had spotted or thought failing that it could have been the moon casting a shadow in tree branches which were giving distorted shapes in Swains Lane. I actually saw this figure myself standing just inside the top gate 
of Highgate Cemetery. And it was, it appeared to be about seven feet tall. And it was, looked like it was wearing some sort of cloak. And it was standing, as I said, just inside the top gate. And so it was like, like a shadow person. I don't know how he described it, but it was so real that at that time, um, I actually thought it, in the few seconds before, I actually thought it was somebody dressed up who was trying to frighten passers-by. Because by this time, December 69, there'd been all these ridiculous stories about the figure could be a vampire because of the hypnotic eyes and all this sort of stuff. So that's where the vampire thing came to fore here. That's where it, sure. that's where it started. Okay. It was the hypnotic eyes and possibly the possession because vampires supposedly hypnotize people and possess them. Yes. Look into it. my eyes. So strange that you do such a bad accent. I'm not sure if you were talking to me or Chris then. No, your accent's great. It's Chris's accent that we have to argue with. But then I can't do any better, so I shouldn't say anything. But the point being is that what it looked like is what it supposedly did is what caused people to think, ah, vampire. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And what happened was because of that... um, Local stories started circulating by certain people that it had to be a vampire, and it got more and more exaggerated. And before you knew it, I say relatively harmless phenomena, phenomenon, ghost, had been transformed into this non-existent vampire-like creature. And what well, a cut a long story. You, you've short, been monitoring this case since the late sixties. Yeah. How many people? Uh, in, you know, we're talking 40-plus years, how many people have reported something in Highgate Cemetery that you could lump into a category uh, that might fit this particular aberration? Uh, Seven-foot-tall, cloaked, hypnotic uh, eyes. How many people have actually reported something like that? It's very difficult to put in actual numbers, and also you have to remember that a lot of the reports we got... um, were not actually of sightings, but they were of people who used to have strange experiences when they when they went walked down Swain's Lane without even going into the cemetery. For example, not only at night but in in the afternoons when their mobile phones would suddenly explicably cut out, even though the batteries were fully charged. The same thing would happen with old cameras. People went there with cameras and the batteries were fully charged and other people reported sensing a dark cloud all around the top gate in Highgate Cemetery. Many people reported having a sense of time. We'll go into the time and all the other stuff with David Ferrand and Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, 
The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Don't answer it! How can I stop these annoying collection calls? Imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plan, no negotiating or filing bankruptcy, and no attorneys. What if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money? You can. It's called Zero Debt Guarantee, and it works. There's no other program of its kind on the planet, and we guarantee the results in writing. Call now, 800-477-9256. Let our team of experts provide you with the resources to fight back, stop collection calls, and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with eFoods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control. Your greatest dependency, food eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. And the new products and pricing will blow you away. Compared to other food sources, including home-cooked meals, you can cut your food cost in half. You just can't afford to ignore this. Call 800-409-5633. Or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More the best for less guaranteed. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Yes, you'll have to check out our forums. In fact, a little bit later, we'll have questions from our forums for David Ferrant. And not 
necessarily about Highgate. When we get past the Highgate story, we'll go into other stuff. So despite the fact that this was a ghost and not a vampire, people want to call it a vampire. Yes. Yes, they do. I suppose because a vampire was more romantic, if you like the word, and because quite a few of the people that tried to cash in on this were, were trying to do it for means of self-publicity. There were so many. I, well, there's one person I could mention, actually, because he was in the front page of the of the local newspaper with a picture of himself, and he was named in the paper. And that was a guy called Barry Edwards. I can't remember the exact month. I think it was in in, in the spring of 1970. He was one of those that tried to cash in and he said that he was he was a member of a small cine club called the Va- no no sorry sorry the Hellfire uh, Fire Club or something and they were making a film on the so-called vampire. Well, wait a minute, the Hellfire Club. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, if I remember correctly, was initiated as a Hellfire member back in, I think, the early 1770s. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, I wasn't actually talking about the Hellfire or Caves in West Wickham. I'm saying that this this is what this group of people called themselves. I don't believe that there was any real connection with the genuine Hellfire group. They were just a sort of a group of mature students who'd gone to Highgate Cemetery to make a film. And he said, no, this figure was really us filming in the cemetery and it was us, and he got on the front page of the Hampstead and Highgate Express. He was one of the people that tried to cash in on it, because, of course, when people were reporting the figure, there were, no, there were no signs of any lights, or there were no sound of any voices, which, had it been a film crew, even a small one, that they would have had to attract that sort of attention to themselves. And I said at the time, it's extremely unlikely that the people making that film if indeed they were making it, even at the same time as the sightings, it could be anything to do with the genuine sightings which have been sort of witnessed by local people. As I said, he he was one of the, or rather his group, one of the one of the small groups that tried to cash in on it and well to get publicity for their film, I suppose. And whatever happened to their film, I don't know. But um, that, I've just given you one example of people that try to cash in on it yeah uh, it, it kind of goes with the territory um i mean dulce uh, here in america would be another example of um you know an ongoing scenario that's tenuous at best that people try to attach some new uh you know salacious story or new development in the uh promulgation or pop what, what propagation i think of a myth uh it's um, it becomes a snowball rolling down a hill, and it's kind of hard to separate the wheat from the chaff or the signal from the noise, as we do, try to do here around the Paracast. But um, one of the things that I'm interested in is the actual geography of of the region. Uh, what are we looking at uh, geologically here? First of all, how big is you know the the Highgate Cemetery and the region around it where these uh, reports seem to be centered. What are we talking about? Is about a quarter square mile, half a square mile? Um, I think we're probably talking about a quarter of a square mile. So, so it's a small, it's a small, it's a relatively small, uh, very kind of targeted area that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 
I'm guessing it could be slightly bigger than that. But Highgate Cemetery was originally opened in um, 1838, and it was built on the grounds. Um, there was an old manor house there called Ashworth Manor. Um, and Highgate Cemetery, as it is now, used to form... It was all sort of built on a very gradual hill, but Highgate Cemetery, where the graves are now, used to be part of the gardens of this old manor house. That, the house was demolished, and um, a church was built. I think St. Michael's Church was built about the same time as the demolition, which is now stands at the back of Highgate Cemetery. But originally, Highgate Cemetery used to be on the grounds of this ancient manor house, uh, which has long since been demolished. As I well, said. Uh, what kind of historical data do we have about about the uh, manor house? Um, you know, the lineage or family that occupied that property. Is there are, are there any sort of hints that might suggest something? You know, that old that might be uh, at work or you know somehow responsible for the aberration? Or do you think the aberration is something that has sprung up after the cemetery was put in in the garden area? I feel personally that I'm not a, an historian, but I I do know there are, are names on record. I might be please don't quote me. I think it was Lord Ashworth, and I think the house was named after him. And there were stories, legends around that time that the actual manor house itself was actually haunted. There's no proof to back that up, but I mean that is the common belief, and this just gave further weight to the stories about Highgate Cemetery itself. Now, as far as Highgate Cemetery is concerned, is this still a place where people are being buried, or is it just whatever's there is there? No, I understand that you can still be buried in Highgate Cemetery today. That's if you can afford it. Oh, this is the upper-class <laughs> cemetery. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so actually, therefore, this vampire is a rich vampire. That's what the speculation has always been. You know, if he came from an up, upper-class family, I believe it was in Romania... And the stories went that he was um, he was a vampire at the time, and that his his followers transported him to England. He landed at Whitby, good old Whitby, up in Yorkshire. Well, it sounds like Bram Stoker uh, somehow got exactly. inspired by by this particular uh, scenario. Now, is it the legend of Bram Stoker though that he wrote Dracula to conceal his own life as someone who was cheating on his wife at night? and therefore was this romantic traveler of the evening who was attractive to women? I'm not so sure about that, Gene, but I do know for a fact, and it's very probable, Bram Stoker actually mentions Highgate Cemetery, or at least an area in the very close proximity of Highgate Cemetery, in his book Dracula. It's been a few years since I read Dracula. Well, it has been since I read it, but I do distinctly remember one of Count Dracula's disciples called Lucy Westerner, or Westerner, um, who'd, become a, who'd become bitten by Dracula, Dracula, and who herself would now, had now turned into a vampire. And Bram Stoker actually mentions this in his book, at least he mentions Lucy Westerner, as one of Count Dracula's disciples, and he actually mentions the area which is almost in the proximity of Highgate Cemetery. So is that one reason why people might expect to see things there? I'm not trying to suggest that it's all someone's imagination, but... Yeah, well, I'm I'm actually, actually sure that that added fuel to these sightings, whether or not the sightings had anything to do with... 
because as I said to you earlier, a lot of the people that experience this ghostly figure... I'll tell you what, we have this sighting to present. With Gene and Chris, with our guest David Ferrand, you're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Emergency Essentials has Mountain House deals in June. Going on now, Emergency Essentials, the 24-year leader in emergency preparedness supplies, does it again. With up to 25% off Mountain House foods. Don't miss these savings. All Mountain House number 10 cans are 20 to 25% off during the month of June only at BePrepared.com. Mountain House foods have superior taste and a scientifically proven 25-year shelf life because they start with fresh or frozen foods, then cook, prepare, and find Finally, freeze-dry them. All the goodness, flavor, and taste are locked in as if handmade from scratch. Mountain House, the same great meals enjoyed by campers and outdoorsmen the world over. Hurry, now through June 30th. Call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and the BePrepared.com low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. 
Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, Plant Skid. Plant Skid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. Plant Skid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain, not Plant Skid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. Plant Skid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use Plant Skid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkyDD.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. Plant Skid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. David Ferrant, joining us, psychic investigator from the UK with Gene and Chris. We're talking about the Highgate Vampire, or some apparition or whatever seen at the Highgate Cemetery. Now, we're talking about something that happened quite a few years ago. Taking us to the present, are still things being reported there that are strange? Uh, Yes. Uh, The last known sighting that came to my attention was in 2005. In fact, there were two in that year by two completely different people. One was a lady who was driving up Swains Lane quite late at night. She was coming up from Archway towards Target Village, and as she drove up, obviously it was dark because the headlights were on, but it was a summer's night. And she saw in the distance what she thought was a sort of a, a branch of a tree, and she thought a big tree branch had sort of fallen over the wall. And as she got closer and closer, she realized that the headlights, when, she, when it got lit, lit up in her headlights, she realized she was sort of seeing a figure that was standing motionless against the wall. and She'd just mistaken it to be a tree branch. When she looked back in the mirror, the figure had just oh, disappeared. And only a couple of months after that, another person who I was actually, I was in contact with personally, and he only came to see me a few weeks ago now. He used to live on the Holly Lodge estate, which actually backs onto Highgate Cemetery, right at the very, uh, or the bottom end of it going down the hill and where he lived he could actually look out of his bathroom window at night and he could actually see Highgate Cemetery and anyway he used to walk up and down Swains Lane quite regularly um, and he was coming back from Highgate Village on his way home and he he wasn't really unperturbed he wasn't in that much of a hurry but he he had a young wife waiting for him and they'd not long had a little a little baby girl and he wanted to get back and that's all he was really thinking about And as he was coming down from the top of Swain's Lane, he saw in the distance, I should explain here, there's two gates of Highgate Cemetery. There's the main, I was referring to the top gate, which is where I had the sighting. And this person was walking down from the top gate and down the hill. And about a five minute walk after that, you have the main gates of the West Cemetery and on your left, you have the main gates of the Eastern Cemetery, which is a lot more modern. And that's the one where Karl Marx is buried, but it attracts a lot of tourists for that reason. And he saw in the distance a figure standing motionless 
outside the gates of the Eastern Cemetery, just standing. He didn't take much notice of it, except as he, he was on foot. As he got closer and closer, he realised that he hadn't even seen this, this figure move. And he thought, well, that's funny. If it's a tramp or if it's a, someone standing there or somebody homeless, it should be moving. And as he approached it, he began to get a bit apprehensive. He couldn't really explain why, except there was just something in the atmosphere, if you like. He, he just felt very, very uneasy. And he decided not to look at the person directly, but sort of carry on walking past it. He was in the middle of the road. He noticed it was sort of dressed in sort of Victorian clothing. It was very difficult to discern. It was almost... He wasn't sure if it was a cloak. Believe me, I've questioned him about this. He said he couldn't really make it out. But he did, it seemed to have some sort of half hood hiding its face. And this is the frightening thing. He said that as he walked by it, he, he was walking by the, this person or whatever it was that was on his left. He felt a voice in his ear, as though somebody whispered in his ear, good evening, sir. And it, it really sort of frightened him because he realized that the thing was about 10 feet away from him. And he heard this voice right in his ear. And he carried on walking really, really quickly because um, he wanted to get to the turning to the Holy Lodge estate, which was just well, a couple of hundred yards down on the right. And he didn't look back. As he just turned to go into the drive of the road that led to his house, house on the estate, he turned around and he looked up the lane and he saw the figure still standing outside the eastern gate of the new cemetery. And he said, as he watched, it literally glided across the road, it seemed to, it was in the distance, but it went straight towards the main gate. There was no other way, and these gates were locked in the Western Cemetery. And he said, it, it just appeared to disappear straight through the main gate of Highgate Cemetery. Now, this was in 2000, I believe it was in July 2006, so there you have another example of a sighting that's comparatively recent, as these things go anyway. So the answer is that it's still being it's still being cited by local people. Yes. Now, just one thing I wanted to maybe get into here, going back to the beginning. Obviously, we have an ongoing mystery: the Highgate Vampire, what it could be. But what first attracted you, David Ferrant? to this sort of research? Uh, well, I'll have to go back in time to answer that for you, and I'll have to be really quick, Jean, because I think it was the involvement, involvement of my mother, who used to attend the Spiritualist Church. Um, she attended one in Kentish Town, which is quite near Highgate, and she attended one in North Finchley, and I've got to remember I was very, very young. Well, when I say young, I wasn't a baby, but I was eight, nine, ten. But I used to be aware that she used to attend the church, and I was also aware that she used to come back very late at night. Well, I say comparatively late, 11 o'clock. I think she used to go out in the evening about eight. And after the, the meetings in the church had finished, she used to go back to other members, other people's houses for coffee and all this sort of thing. Um, as you know, the Spiritualist Church, um, it does believe in communication with spirits, if you like, spirits of the dead even, and that people, the public can receive messages from them. 
I do remember she used to come in on occasion quite late at night after attending these meetings, and it used to cause a lot of conflict between her and my father. So your father was, was a pretty very, straightforward kind of gentleman? He was. He was a very good man. He was a company director. and you know, He's a conservative businessman, and he, the missus yes. is into ghosts and spiritual things and stuff. Well, she was certainly into the spiritualist church, and I felt a lot closer to my mother. And I used to becoming aware, as I grew older, of these arguments between her and my father. I wasn't eavesdropping, but I couldn't... I was born in a very old Victorian house in Highgate, and um, it was virtually empty at that time, um, as these houses were then. And you, it wasn't on the main road, and sounds used to carry at night, but I was definitely aware of them arguing. I knew what it was about. It was because she, she'd been to the meetings in the spiritualist church. The whole point of that is, just to really answer your question quickly, if anything, I got involved because of my influence, rather, by the involvement of my mother. Um, and it's true that that particular house that I was born in, the old Victorian house, was actually haunted. And my, my father, I used to tell my parents about it when it used to happen, not very often, but I used to see a figure in the front room. And he just used to put down to bad dreams or I was having a nightmare or something like that. My mother was very understanding. She always used to, out of earshot of my father, or when he'd gone off to his business, his work, or his meetings, or whatever, she used to sort of explain to me, no, you might not have been dreaming, but these things can't hurt you. If you really understand them, they don't really want to hurt you. And she, she completely took a much more sympathetic approach. And I think it was through her and her involvement, even at that young age, that I was sort of enticed, if you like, or influenced into belief in the unknown, the supernatural, things beyond the material world. And this starred you on a quest that began when you were 15 years of age. And this is even more fascinating. We'll get into that in a moment. Let's take a few seconds to pull this off. If you want to get in touch with us, there are several ways. One is to write us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. On Twitter, we are thepowercast, at thepowercast on Twitter. If you want to send us a tweet or check our forums, forum.thepowercast.com, forum.thepowercast.com. David Farron joining Gene and Chris, which means you're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. 
the site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough <coughs> are you still a traditional smoker now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeant e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker This is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Oh, yes. With Gene and Chris, we have David Ferrant. We're talking about his quest to learn about psychic phenomena that started when he was a young person, young whippersnapper, taking, I guess, a trip across Europe when he was 15. 
I wish I could have done that. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. So what did you do? You left school? Um, I better explain something really quickly. When I was 13, yeah, my mother died. I was away at boarding school, and I think that's when I really experienced a very, very big change in my life because it's almost as if past, most of my life had been taken away from me. I felt isolated. I had no one to turn to. My father was only interested in good education. I had to try and pass exams. Like, he wanted me to follow in his footsteps. And I just was not interested in material learning. I rebelled at school, especially after my mother had died, because I, I, I had no reason to do otherwise then. And I literally refused to learn anything. I hated maths. I hated algebra, geometry, and all the rest of it. In fact, the only subject that I came top of, top of the class of, was scripture. I know that might sound funny, but it's because I had, it, had a great interest, a deep interest in stories in the Bible and the truth, as I saw it, that was concealed in the Bible. But anyway, after that, yes, I got expelled from two schools, and I actually, the last one was when I was 15 years old, because in those days you could leave school at 15. Mm, I know the feeling. I got kicked out of a couple myself. Oh, okay. I don't feel so alone then. All right, so you got expelled. Why? Because you were disobedient, wouldn't pay attention to your studies? What? Because I, I was considered a bad influence on the other pupils. Because I was in those days, and bear in mind... This was, I'm talking about 1961. I think the climax came was when I just refused to get my hair cut. I was going to a private school in Weymouth, which my father was paying a lot of money for. But these, this was in the days when, I know it's hard to imagine now, people just did not have long hair. If before hair the Beatles, over, frankly. It was two years before that. And my God, if your hair even came over your collar, in those days, they short back and sides. That was the norm. You were stared at in the street, you know, at least and two years before the Rolling Stones. And I just hated the system. I wanted to let my hair grow as, as part of this rebellion, and I refused to get it cut. And so they wrote to my father and said, you'll have to remove him from the school. And as well as that, we were making dates. There was a girls' comprehensive school just down the, about 50 yards down the road. It wasn't a boarding school, but it was a day school. And we were always rushing down to the big field at the end of the private school and leaning on the gates and trying to make dates with all the girls as they came out from their day classes. This is 15 years old. You've got a good start. Yeah, but I've got a good excuse, too, because I, I was only 14 or 15 myself. <laughs> and... That's it. I was a bad influence on the other girl, on the other boys, and all this stuff spread like wildfire. I mean, as gossip, but it wasn't long before the teachers got to hear about it because boys gossip, and you know, they hear people talking. And anyway, I left school, so I went abroad. I, I left. I was working on the boats near Weymouth, and I, I went to France, and I went to. I was working my way through France, any jobs I could get, and I went down to uh, right, right down to the south of Italy, Sicily. I ended up getting a job in Sicily. I was just doing anything I could find. Now, the funny thing is, this was all before I was 21, and I had a large inheritance to come into when I was 21, but that, well, that was some years in the future. 
my father didn't approve and I couldn't really write home and ask him for any money. So I was having to literally work my way, picking pears, picking grapes, washing up dishes in French cafes, and I wasn't even very good at language and all that sort of thing. So I worked around Europe before I eventually came back to England. So I know it's a bit of a long drawn out answer, but that's basically what happened. Yeah, I got expelled, went abroad, travelled around, worked, and then came back to England. And it was then that I looked out, looked up rather. My father wasn't very pleased. He didn't approve. He wanted me to get a job and look respectable and settle down and get all this nonsense about Paris, powering all out my head. And of course, I was too sort of headstrong. It was too deeply inherent in me by this time. Perhaps even aided by my mother's death, I just didn't care. I felt so close to her and I wasn't going to listen to people that were sceptical or scoffed at what I was trying to do. I saw well, what, what were you trying to do? That that brings up a really interesting point. What what was the you know, your compulsion? What were you trying talk- to accomplish? Besides, you know, talk- rebellion and, and and you know, sort of embodying the spirit of the times. I mean, you know, the mid sixties were amazingly turbulent times. Things things were happening. What what was your motivation? What what was your goal? I just didn't I just didn't know. That's the whole point. I was basically trying to follow instinctively, trying to find out more about what my mother had been involved in. And she'd been involved in the spiritualist church. And she, still a, There were still a lot of people. She was young when she died. She was only 35. And a lot of people were still alive. And I looked them up and I went to see them and I started to become involved with them. And I was trying to find out more about what she'd been pursuing. And I did. And um, I eventually got involved with people who, who actually lived, or one lady lived in Barnet, who were involved in Wicca. Now, Wicca is the correct name for witchcraft. Do you remember I said to you at the beginning of the program, I said, I really hate the word witchcraft. I knew and people I years ago who practiced various Wiccan religions. I was just, basically, what I was, I'm trying to say is that I just, decided to seek out friends of my mother's and I eventually met a lady in Barnet who was heavily involved in Wicca and as I just said I hate the word witchcraft because it conjures up in people's minds black magic, Satanism Well these are earth worshippers I knew people involved in different Wiccan movements oh, quite a number of years ago and they were just lovely people and no, they weren't casting spells against people. That was the well, worst of what anybody the, could possibly the do. The Christian church has done a good job in stamping out all sort of ritualistic practices based on nature. Well, yes, they, the Christian church, the early Christian church, did an excellent job of sort of annihilating that old religion, which was really only a religion based on fertility, which I was later to sort of get an understanding of it was a fertility religion based on the powers of nature the powers of understanding ourselves the human psyche healing helping people but it was nothing to do with any sort of black magical activity it's called symbiosis you know humanity is a it's kind of a flower within within this reality within a closed system called earth 
and nature, Gaia, the mother, if you will, um, really does have a lot more to do with what is going on with humans than I think modern science would uh, care to admit or even acknowledge that it's it's possible. Yes. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. And I found all this out very, very gradually. And I realized it was a very, very deep sort of understanding. Okay, they had to... It's misunderstood nowadays because in Wicca they have a female deity, who's the mother goddess, obviously, and they have a male deity. He's symbolized by the sun, the solar deity. And... More importance, if anything, it's not as if they're two separate deities. It's just that in Wicca, they believe that it's just two aspects of the same deity, male and female. Symbiosis. Yeah. And I I was to find all that out. And, well, you know, I mean, it's historical fact that when the early church tried to annihilate Wicca, as they did in the Middle Ages, they destroyed all its customs, they destroyed all its practices, and they not only tried to destroy them, they actually stole them. For example, I might be telling you the obvious, because you seem to know a lot about it. In Wicca, the mistletoe and holly, holly were symbolic of everlasting life, being evergreens, it's only symbolic. And they were taken over by the Christian church and used in the rituals to celebrate Christmas, the fir tree, the Christmas tree. And later on, we had the Easter egg, which was used in Wicca, which was only a fertility symbol. We've basically assumed in the Christian world some of these rituals from the pagan religions. David Farron yeah. joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right. Every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Joined by David Ferrant. We've been talking about the Highgate Vampire, his history and psychic research, a little bit about weekend religions, earth worshippers, people who aren't trying to cast spells on you, but trying to respect Mother Earth. Let's move on here. This organization that you're a founder of, 
the British yeah. Psychic and Occult Society. How'd that come yeah. about? Well, that all started with a very small group of people back in 67. Local people who were interested in ghosts, exploring local hauntings and that sort of thing, local pubs. And it gradually grew, uh, not that quickly, but we had handfuls of members and we had membership forms and we used to have meetings at other people's houses or even at my own house when I could. And um, that's how it really began. It was a very gradual process. And of course, then the Highgate Vampire thing came along. But there were other cases before that, and that came along, and um, he, he's just going from merging. And, uh, Do you think over these years that you've been searching for truth behind these various paranormal experiences, do you have a handle on what you think might be causing, say, the Highgate vampire or any other apparition seen in connection with anything? Yes, I do, but I don't want to... Well, look, I don't want to bore people, but I basically come to understand it's a gradual process. That a lot of unexplained phenomena uh, are no more, if you've got to put them in categories, I'd say the first category, the largest category, are no more than just um, transmissions or reflections of events from the past, albeit some of them aided by tragic circumstances or shall we say, potent circumstances. It's almost like a DVR connected to a time machine is playing back. Something like that, yeah, and it's also dependent on conditions. I mean, The residual of, echo. Yes. A lot of these sort of reflections, of, if you like, ghosts, are merely that. They're just reflections. They have no more intelligence, if you like, than the video film or... Um, a television picture. So basically, if I projected a holographic image in a cemetery, that's as real as the ghost would be. Well, yes, except that I think these images can just, under the right conditions, one of them being the element of water, a damp atmosphere, for example, a lot of these things are actually witnessed under the conditions of low-pressure areas, as I said, or the element of water. A lot of these sightings um, seem to be simultaneous with this. Interesting observation. So uh, lots of moisture in the air, low pressure, tends to be a good uh, petri dish uh, conditional sort of environment for these manifestations? Yes, yes. It would also explain why a lot of them are witnessed by people are not really expecting to see them because they are not, they're not looking for ghosts. They just witness something which I'm quite convinced myself is just a reflection of some past event, whether it be a reflection of uh, figures, whether it be reflections of even animals such as dogs or cats or even bears or even objects such as stagecoaches, stagecoaches and all that sort of thing. I know people are quick to say they're intelligent, they're, intelligent, they're ghosts. They've got to be ghosts. I don't necessarily believe that. And the other category, I'll only tell you this very quickly, Gene, because it's a very complicated subject. The other category, of course, you've heard of the oh, poltergeistic activity, haven't you? Certainly. Objects, yeah, apparently of their own volition, doors opening and closing, light bulbs and effects upon electrical systems, light bulbs fading, even exploding, gas taps turning themselves on and off and all the rest of it. I'm quite convinced that a lot of these 
things happen are caused by unconscious levels in the human mind itself. This is the way I came to understand that maybe why a lot of these things only happen at night because that is when the mind is obviously asleep or in a state of sleep and the everyday thinking conscious mind actually acts as a barrier to people witnessing these things. So you basically have to be in the proper mental state to see it. It's not something that you can just go there and take your camcorder or your iPhone with a built-in video camera and take a picture of it? No, I don't believe it is, um, which is why we never do that as such. I mean, we, we do take pictures, but obviously that's to get a layout of a building or an object. So if you're we, saying also then that they can't be measured. I bring this up because we interviewed a ghost hunter last week on the show, a fellow named Jeff right. Stewart from a New England organization up in Vermont. And he was talking about all the elaborate electronics they use to measure these things. But you're saying that can't be done. I'm saying that, I'm, that they cannot be scientifically measured at this point in time. That doesn't mean to say that it's not... I think a lot of these things adhere to a law or laws which are not understood by science. That's not meant to sound arrogant. I'm not trying to sound... Well, in in other words, you're talking about subtle energies. We don't have the instrumentation uh, or the technology to actually detect. Yeah, that's it exactly. That's all I was trying to say. But it doesn't... On the other hand, it doesn't necessarily mean that these things are supernatural all the time. It doesn't mean they're due to some sort of outside forces or spiritual forces. It just means that the human psyche is very, very deep. It's got many, many, many levels contained in it. And a lot of the time, especially when people are asleep or in light sleep, these levels can come to the surface and manifest, if you like, in what is commonly called poltergeist. And this sort of thing, and they're automatically put down, well, that must be an outside being. It's trying to haunt me. And I'm sure that a lot of the time, these, this activity is not even realized by the people themselves that are actually causing it. In other words, that they don't realize that there's no outside ghosts coming to their flat, but there is this level of consciousness within the human mind. This is just quite natural, and it's, well, it would be natural if only it was understood. Well, in in this, uh, David, this dovetails over into the abduction phenomenon where where people are having hypnagogic, uh, what appears to me to be hypnagogic state experiences that then, you know, almost create a life of their own. So uh, to me, that's very intriguing because we're dealing with, with, uh, you know, deep reaches uh, within the human mind and consciousness and unconsciousness. And so you feel all this is kind of tied into manifestations of uh, what people call ghosts or aberrations of, of beings, that sort of thing? I do, absolutely. You, you put it a lot better than I could. I'll just try to explain it, yes, but I do. That's exactly it. That once we start to understand, not so much what ghosts are, I hate the word ghost just so much, as much as I hate the word witch, I think we'll become a lot closer to trying to understand how these things happen. And let's face it, they do happen. I mean, they've been happening for centuries all over the world to so many different people. And they've so far... Excuse me for interrupting, but there have been 
you know, hundreds of thousands of years of shamanic work that has used, um, shall we say, exalted botanicals, um, compounds found in nature to elicit, you know, a form of consciousness that allows itself to interact with something that modern science has yet to, you know, they're not even close to being able to identify Yet, yet these are real, real effects. So, when you talk Wicca and and you know pagan, if you will, uh, naturalistic sort of practices, knowledge, and you add um, botanicals, whether it's peyote or dimethyltryptamine or some of these wonderful substances found in nature, which also are found in the human uh, body as well. You put all that together, and then you throw Hollywood into it, and we've got a really interesting scenario in the 21st century. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree, and I suppose you could even throw that into into that equation. Uh, well, crystals, for example, which are formed in nature, aren't they? David Farron joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. American gardeners and fellow patriots, make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three survival seed vaults for less than one of theirs the survival seed vault from mypatriotsupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over 49 dollars ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. And that's where we get so many questions for our guests. With Gene and Chris, we have David Farrant, paranormal investigator, who has been doing this thing since, I guess his quest early in his teen years to discover more about our strange world. Chris, have you been able to check some of the questions we have in the Paracast forums and maybe post a few? Yeah, um, and there's there's a couple of good ones here. Uh, David, this comes from Conrad Hartman, who has only been a member for about three or four days. but And after he, this, he'll give up. <laughs> well, no, I mean, come on, it's a Paracast. It's They never leave. We have people, once they join the PowerCast, I'd say out of any hundred members, maybe one will leave us, and the rest just stick around. Well, every every show needs the hardcore kind of, you know, the people that help help the show move and check. Anyway, David, questions for Mr. Farrant. Do you have any stories about Limehouse? And that's a good question because I'm I'm aware of one or two, but uh, let's talk about Limehouse. Well, it's very big area, isn't it? Are you talking about Limehouse on the on the north bank of the Thames, or are we talking across purposes here? You mean Limehouse in London? Don't you? The question just says Limehouse. It, it says Limehouse. But all I can think of that the, the person must be referring to an area in the east end of London, which is a very very old area, and but it's quite an extensive area. It must be about over a quarter of a mile long. It's very difficult to answer, because if I can't really understand that question, I mean, he he's not very specific, is he? So we'll move on to question number two. What psychological effects of note have you witnessed in the presence of phenomena? And he goes on to say, if a given event is generated from the human mind, 
can the event feed back into the originating mind or another and therefore perpetuate itself? Have you experienced any changes or influences on the personalities of people after exposure to you know, their paranormal events? Yes, I certainly have. I used to get people, well, I still do, not used to, get people coming to see me all the time that claimed they'd had experience with psychic phenomena. Some were more serious than others. Often it would be just case of people that seen a ghost and wanted to tell me about it, give me the details. But some people actually used to come to see me and they described experiences which they just couldn't understand. I'm thinking in particular now about the incubus and succubus, which are male and female demons, don't like the word demon, but respectively, they're supposed to visit sleeping people at night and immobilize them when they're asleep. And they usually awake to find a huge pressure on their chest. But whatever, they can't move, they can't scream. And in a lot of these cases, well, there is there's supposed to be a sexual element involved. Now, I'm not going to go into that. And I never go it's into okay. it. okay. We've gone into it many times here on the Paracast. And, and as Jacques Vallée, uh, one of my heroes, pointed out in passage uh, to Magonia, incubus and succubus could be sort of a proto-modern-day you know, abduction scenario. Um, I mean, there are so many similar elements in there. But, yeah. but the question, I think, is what I'm trying to... Conrad, uh, <laughs> who posted the question, I think what he's asking is people have an experience, and it, it's mind shaking, life-altering, if you follow up with those people, how has that changed their reality view? I mean, have they exhibited some sort of like new paranoia or new, um, I don't know, inspiration? Uh, people, when they have, you know, I've investigated many, many cases. cases. I've, I've been out there and I've done that. But one thing that I've noticed is if people have life-altering experiences, it tends to be tempered by the culture that they live within. And have you, some of your long-term cases, have you noticed something interesting in how their reality view has evolved? I've seen it to two degrees. I've seen it to an extreme degree, such as people that come to see me. I had one girl come to see me in 1992. She's a German girl. Uh, he, he was living in England at the time, and she had some horrendous experiences with visitation at night from presumably an incubus, and it really had a terrible effect on her. That's one extreme. I mean, she actually went to um, she went to the doctor. Things got so bad. She, she lost her appetite. She became prone to bouts of sleepwalking. She... she became she developed an aversion to bright sunlight and she literally was almost in a suicidal state now the doctor couldn't understand it by the same token she couldn't really explain what was happening to her because she didn't want the doctor to think he was mad she was mad but he did prescribe he did confirm she was anemic that she'd lost a lot of or her blood wasn't thick enough or something, and he prescribed iron pills. 
Now, that was the doctor's solution, the physical solution. But I saw that person in a very extreme state of sort of anxiety. As I said, she was almost becoming suicidal. That's why she came to see myself. But give us a time frame. I mean, what, what sort of uh, time frame are we talking about? All this happened within two or three months. And it happened quite regularly. The year was 92, but it had been happening to her for um, a few months. And I tried everything I could do to help her. I suggested that she move the bed in the room where she was sleeping. Could have been the position of the bed. But it kept coming back. The same thing happened to her again and again. That's one extreme when you could say that these experiences do affect people. And the other, as you mentioned, it can give people sort of a new insight into that there must be something beyond material life, and it makes them fascinated. Well, inspired. Inspired. Yeah, and they want to explore it further. They want to explore it further, yeah. Well, there we go, Gene. Uh, You know, we're talking about Someone who has been out in the field um, for over 40 years has been able to do some, you know, long-term monitoring of key cases. And we have, uh, you know, what I think is is an important element in this whole investigative realm, and that is the impact of these experiences on the people that experience them and how it reverberates, you know, down in their lives and how that spawns off and even inspires or, or informs, educates uh, people that are close to them. Uh, this is something that you don't hear anybody in the field of paranormal investigation, God forbid ufology, ever talking about or addressing. It's the impact of these experiences as they reverberate out into culture. And I, you know, David, you know, you're a stick to it of it guy. We have to tell everybody we have David Farrant with us, with Gene and Chris, because you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain, not PlantSkid. 
It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. Plant Skid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use Plant Skid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. Plant Skid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- 346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. In the world of paranormal phenomena with David Ferrant, we talked about earlier the Highgate vampire, all the various investigations he's been on. He's been answering questions from our listeners. And David, we definitely appreciate your lengthy answers and your information. Chris, do we have any more questions left? Oh, uh, we do. This one comes, well, actually, this is it's more of a commentary. Um, this comes from... I can't even pronounce the name, Gene, but they've been a forum member since May 20th. You might I think want part to of it is... an itsy-bitsy hint off to Mr. Front and suggest calmly that if he doesn't want to focus on Highgate, then maybe he shouldn't focus on Highgate. And then there's some sort of link to over 200 web discussion pages on Highgate. Now, I think that's a rather unfair question. Uh, or I don't comment, think it's a question. I but... think it's a ridiculous comment, and I think we should just leave it. So okay. Think, well, yeah. Oh, you know what? Forget about it. We'll accept the comment because everyone has a right to their opinion, and we'll go from there. Let's go to 
some more questions from somebody who is nameless. Yeah, there's three questions. Sorry, a bit greedy, Gene. Hello, David, and hope you are well. Having lived in Crouch and Crouch End for a while, although not there presently, I was wondering. I was wondering if you had any ruminations about this area. I found there was definitely something going on here, but couldn't quite put my finger on it. I believe it used to be quite bohemian, I think, in the 60s. There was even a Stephen King story set there, too. Um, What about that? Um, Crouch End, does that ring a bell? Well, Crouch End is very, very close to Highgate, where I actually live at the moment. And he's right, um, that it is a very sort of, always has been a very sort of bohemian area, almost as if it's almost self-contained and it's not really a part of London. There's been quite a few incidences of ghosts down there. None come to mind at the moment except maybe the old Gothic mansion, which is in Avenue Road, which is actually in, on the outskirts of Crouch and which we investigated some years ago, 1973. Um, the house was originally built, was originally built, I can't give you the date, but it's, it's a couple of hundred years old. And it was burnt out by fire, and there were quite some very potent stories about neighbours there seeing ghostly figures in the area. And that, that house is quite well known, or was at the time. Um, I'm certainly familiar with that one. We actually went to the house and we took photographs there and we actually spent a couple of vigils there um, at night to try and find out the causation for some of these hauntings, yeah. Chris, you want to move into the next question? Well, here's another question from Nameless. Also wondering if you had any info on the supposed witch and subsequent curse on Alexander Palace. Is that it? (laughs) It's a very simple question. The answer is no, I don't have any personal experience of it. I can confirm that it was a legend. I mean, as far as I remember, and I should know it's only about a mile away from where I live, Alexander Palace was built in 1875, around that period. And funnily enough, um, I believe it had only been open for a couple of weeks. It was a brand new building, very popular before it was destroyed by fire, if, if memory serves me, serves me correctly. And it, then it had to be rebuilt after that, uh, not to open until about seven years later. And then, of course, we had another fire there in 1980. I believe it was in July. And it was a very, very serious fire. And it lost most of its roof. And there were loads of rumours going around that it had been. It was because the palace had been built on, built sorry, on sacred ground. No, um, is this in close proximity to the Highgate area or Crouchend? I'd say it's in close proximity to both. I'd say f- from where I'm sitting at the moment, it's not more than a mile away. That is Alexander Palace. It's very high up. And, of course, it was destroyed by fire again. And that led to all these rumours saying that it had been subject to a witch's curse, hence the two fires there. Um, but 
I can't really say much more than that. So, um, so you really have not did not come up with some individual that said this place is cursed and blah blah blah. It doesn't matter what they try to do, you know, some sort of uh, witch being burned or some deathbed, you know, curse on the site. There's nothing like that in the research that you have found. No, no, but I've certainly heard those rumors. Yeah, I'm sorry not to be more specific, but I can't, I can't really make things up that haven't happened. But I've certainly heard those rumors here that that Alexander Palace was in fact the victim of a curse, a witch's curse, because it just happened to be built on sacred ground. Well, it happened to be built in the wrong place. Right. I, I have heard that much, yeah. Let me ask you a sideways question here before Chris gets into the final section of the comments from our listener, Nameless. And that is, of all the cases that you've investigated over the years, and there's got to be quite a few, have you found any or many hoaxes? Yes, I certainly have. I certainly have found quite a few hoaxes. Not that many. Well, you said quite a Lots few of... and you said not many, so I'm confused. Okay. <laughs> but I'm always confused. What the heck? <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry. It's probably my fault for confusing you a little there were a lot of hoaxes concerned with the Highgate Vampire case. So they used it as a yes. means of entertainment. In what sense hoaxes? Yes. They just fake the apparition's well, appearance? Well, they glom onto it, Gene. You know, everybody wants, you know, it's like when there's a dead cow, uh, you know, a, a real mutilation reported in the southwest United States. And then if if the newspapers get a hold of it, then boom, you know, three, four weeks later, every dead cow has been mutilated and aliens are coming to gather genetic material, blah, blah, blah. You mean blah. they're not? No, Jim. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I'd agree with that, actually. I'd have to agree with that. Now, have there been any cases here, uh, hoaxes, where it really took a little bit of work to figure out it was a hoax, it wasn't just obvious? No, not, not many come to mind, it's, except the Highgate Vampire case. When and the hoax was really in the fact that people kept making up stories about it, which didn't really happen. Is it a case of having the creature or entity or apparition do things that, in general, those who have these experiences never report? Is that part of it? I mean, how do you in separate case, this? If someone sees something at the cemetery and you, they report well, to you and say, okay, David, this is what happened. And then someone else makes up the same report. How do you separate them? Well, no, no, Gene, hold on. Before before David answers that, it's people that hear that something strange or spooky is going on up there, and they go up there quivering with anticipation, and the slightest little shadow or Chris, I'm not talking about that. I understand misidentification. You get people excited about UFOs and every light in the sky is a UFO. You get people excited about ghosts and other apparitions and everything they see is a ghost. I'm thinking of somebody who goes to the extent of saying, we're going to fake it either by using somebody wearing a ghost costume or just saying they saw something that they didn't see. Is that the sort of fakery okay, we're seeing? So you're talking about people that are hosting yes, events. You're not talking about the people experiencing That's why I said fakes. Okay, I didn't understand. Yes, sir. Let's take a few seconds to pull this off. If you want to get in touch with us, there are several ways. One is to write us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. 
on Twitter. We are the Paracast at the Paracast on Twitter. If you want to send us a tweet or check our forums, forum.thepowercast.com, forum.thepowercast.com. David Ferrand joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with eFoods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control, your greatest dependency, food. eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. And the new products and pricing will blow you away. Compared to other food sources, including home-cooked meals, you can cut your food cost in half. You just can't afford to ignore this. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More the best for less guaranteed. it how can i stop these annoying collection calls imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plan no negotiating or filing bankruptcy and no attorneys what if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money you can it's called zero debt guarantee and it works there's no other program of its kind on the planet and we guarantee the results in writing call now 800-477-9256 let our team of Experts provide you with the resources to fight back, stop collection calls, and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. How much are you spending on your protein? Did you know that at normal cooking temperatures, you lose 50% or more of the amino acids that make up your protein? This means you're throwing away 50% of your money when eating cooked proteins, and you're burdening your organs of elimination. Proteins are vital to your health. 
But to get the full benefit, they must come into your bloodstream as undamaged amino acids. One World Way is processed in a unique manner to protect the amino acids so they're easy to digest and use at the cellular level. The health benefits of undamaged whey protein are well documented. They are healing, reduced inflammation, increased levels of glutathione, detoxification, weight loss, muscle gains, more energy, and a better sense of well-being. If you want to have the energy to achieve your dreams, consider adding One World Way to your diet. Call 888-988-3325. Mention coupon code KNOCKOUT and you'll receive a free tube of knockout pain cream with your order, which eliminates soft tissue pain in 10 minutes for 90% of users. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. David Ferran joins us, and I think the question that I posed, and this is our final segment here of the episode, and that is, do you have evidence of people faking an episode, Highgate anywhere else, actually faking what happened? Okay, well, let me give you an example. Um, There were some pictures of the so-called Highgate vampire that were produced on... BBC television in London and the ITV television in London and also on French television. And there were pictures of the Highgate vampire after it had supposedly been staked in its coffin. Now, these pictures were shown, as I said, publicly on television and the the people that, that made the claim maintained that this is how they found. They eventually found the Highgate vampire, in quotes. They tracked it down to its coffin, well, where its coffin lay, and they dragged it out into the garden. They staked it through the heart because it had to be destroyed. It let off, it gave off a terrible scream as if from the bowels of hell, and it disintegrated. But just before it disintegrated, they managed to take photographs of it. And then they produced these photographs on national television and they maintained that this was evidence that the Highgate vampire existed. It's kind of like the story of somebody keeping the remains of Bigfoot in a refrigerator. Something like that, yeah. So I I would say that was an outright hoax, yeah. I mean, you did ask me for an example of a hoax. No, I understand. Obviously, it sounds like one because the point you're making here is that if you see... The Highgate Vampire, you cannot photograph it. It won't show up. Well, in theory, yeah, that's it. But, but, but you don't know of anybody who actually took out their iPhone camera or their digital camera, went to the Highgate Cemetery, saw something, no. and tried to take a picture? No, I don't. Okay. No, I don't. Chris, we had one more question left. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, before I go on to this uh, last question, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody happened to be taking a picture there and something showed up on their camera image that they didn't see when they took the shot that then could be spun into some something anomalous. But I, I think we've, uh, David, we've already kind of covered this ground, but um, Nameless says, uh, lastly, I wanted to know if you think attitudes uh, to the occult have changed and if there was still a stigma slash persecution attached to occultist and occultism. He says, I say in this regard to your own experiences and those of the likes of Genesis P. Orridge, uh, Gerald Suster, etc. 
thanks for all your time and all the best. I think I can answer that question by saying, really, I mentioned it at the beginning of your show. Exactly. Just to reiterate, basically, I don't believe basic attitudes towards the occult and the way this is associated with black magic and Satanism um, completely blown out of all proportion. It has to be connected with black magic and Satanism, I should say. So those attitudes haven't, have not changed because it's the very people that are making those assumptions that are really responsible for giving genuine psychic investigations a bad name. Psychic investigations, as they are meant to be carried out, and wicker if it comes to that, the actual religion itself, um, and nothing to do... I do stress this, I'm sorry to repeat myself, but it is an important point, and nothing to do with Satanism, nothing to do with black magic. And most importantly of all, I better qualify this. Thank you. you. I mean, uh, listen, people, listen. I was just going to say that I myself have never been involved in Satanism or black magic. And in fact, I've always warned people of the dangers of becoming involved in that for many years now. Do you think that answers the question okay? I think you did. And I would underscore it by saying there are certain things that are going on in our reality that we can't define scientifically yet. Yes, I agree with you, yeah. This is a proto-science. We are proto-scientists, if you will. And at some point, I think the data and our ability to log the data and detect and and measure it is going to overwhelm the mystery. And I think at some point, location-specific sites, like haunted sites or, or UFO hotspot areas, are going to be the linchpin for discovery. We're actually going to be able to come up with the kind of data that we need to present to academia and to the scientific community and go, you can't explain this away. So get busy. <laughs> Help us out. You know, and uh, my hat's off to you, David. You've done a great job uh, over a lot of years. I'm not as familiar with your work as I'd like to be and and will be. But, uh, you know, it's unsung heroes in the trenches like you, Stan Gordon in Pennsylvania, almost 50 years. He's been, uh, you know, doggedly doing the field investigative work. Philip Hoyle up in the Shrewsbury area, the um, the animal pathology research unit, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people around this planet that are really doing the work. They're not looking to be, you know, some sort of cultural heroes. They're actually doing the work, interacting with people that have uh, experiences that can't be readily explained. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to you. Uh, Continued success in your work. Um, I'd love to dovetail some of uh, my connections here in the U.S. and um, especially uh, in the EVP realm that I've been involved with here for the last few years. You know, my hat's off to you and uh, continue uh, inspiring others out there to take up the mantle of, of the investigator and let's take this thing down, the, you know, take the ball down the field, you know, <laughs> get out of the scrum. Yeah. For those of us who want to get out of the scrum, David Ferrant, tell us how to get in touch with you and maybe. Give us a little bit more information about British Psychic and Occult Society. Well, really, the best thing to do, if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me advertising, it's really... Go ahead, advertise it. You have the next two and a half minutes to do it. 
Right, well, I'm not going to start advertising my books, but they are there on my website. My, my website is quite easy to find. It's just the usual www thing, and it's just my name, davidfarrant.org. And that goes onto my website, and there's quite a lot of information on there which people can read as articles and all stuff like that, in case anybody might be interested. Yeah. Now, do you have uh, regular I, memberships, like someone gets a magazine or gets a membership card or something like that? Yeah, we have membership cards. Um, we have membership forms, membership cards, and all that sort of thing. But we could send that information if, if anybody's interested and they contact me, and the details are on my website. Yeah, sure. I, I, I'd be happy to speak to anybody that's really interested in the subject. I would assume also if someone has an unusual experience where they are. Oh, and those, yes, too, because I'm still in the process of writing my books, and I'm always looking out for new information from genuine people, genuine experiences. That's not to say that people aren't genuine in general, but we really appreciate any information about people's experiences here. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to be contacted. Now, is it restricted to the UK or anywhere in the world? It's mostly restricted to the UK, especially if we have to visit people. Otherwise, you go um, broke from the travel fees real fast. Well, yeah, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> there isn't that kind of money in this business. No, there isn't. Uh, no. That doesn't mean to say we won't contact people, Gene. I mean, even if they write from far afield from Australia or New Zealand, they will be answered, yeah. Cool. That works. Chris. Let's look at what you have. We have people who are in the final stages, I hope, of redesigning OurStrangePlant.com. Yeah, yeah, we could be, we could be talking about the uh, inaugural reintroduction of OurStrangePlanet.com. OurStrangePlanet.com. It's going to migrate from the old format into a spiffy, brand-new WordPress format, just like all the Ooh, great yeah. publications around the world, like the New York Times using Ooh, yeah. WordPress and the Wall Street Journal and OurStrangePlanet.com, and also, of course, TheParacast.com. You can contact us, news at TheParacast.com. Once again, that's news at TheParacast.com. On Twitter, we are TheParacast. If you still want to use Twitter, you can also find a Paracast fan club on Facebook. We haven't mentioned that before, but we have one on there. Isn't that amazing? Who could have thunk it? David Farrant, yeah. thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thank you for asking me onto your show, Gene. Oh, and you, Chris. And it was very nice to be here. Thank you. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in... The Paracast.